and that's why these people want you to be their champion. Because... Because you make them laugh. You make them cheer. You get them to jump up out of their seats. But you never once make them think. You never make them feel guilty about their actions that they should feel guilty about every single day of their lives. You don't make them feel bad about themselves. But I don't care about their feelings because I am not the people's champion. Daniel Bryan is the planet's champion! Is it giving up too much on their place? The Kings of Combat Sports Podcast, John and Wade. They talk about the things they did that day. They'll analyze the work of Vince and Triple H. Rewind to SmackDown. 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 Hello, everybody. Welcome to Rewind to SmackDown. I'm John Pollock, along with Waiting here on a beautiful Tuesday night. How are you, Way? Is it beautiful? Has the weather calmed down? You know what? All these people, they always they get on us when we talk about weather. But let me say this, that the upside of a day like Monday is that on Tuesday, when it was a mere minus eight, it feels like summer in comparison. If It just felt so warm in comparison. Yeah. I was so like, no, n- no complaints on Tuesday. I was running around with my shirt off today. Felt like oh, summer. But you do that year-round, so... I always look for an excuse to run around with my shirt off. <laughs> Everyone's envisioning you on uh, Young Street at the moment, just running up and down like a madman. Okay, but, you, uh, but yeah, but to update everybody, we did hear from a number of people, of our listeners, uh, as far as... I, I don't care. What? I don't care what uh, people's feedback is about uh, the weather. As far as, I, as far I, as I'm allowed to have an opinion well, about my day and how the temperature affected it. Of course you are, but I mean, um, you know, just to to let our listeners out there know, there are places on this planet that are far colder than what we have, including Sudbury, John. Sudbury, you know how cold it is in Sudbury. Please tell me. Okay. Um, why is it? Why is it? Why is it a contest? Well, it's it, does it, it does it lessen what we endured on Monday? Congratulations! Yes, I I was not making a uh, an experiment to explain Toronto is the coldest place on earth. Did I state that? No. Oh man, it's it's like five degrees colder here. Cool. <laughs> it's cold for you too. Guess what? Bravo! I think I think you being upset is exactly the reason why people need to let us know. I, I am so glad that in these instances, you're the person people like, and I don't have to feel I have to be nicer. Oh, you come can, on. You can be that guy. Well, I can be the one to say, check yourself. Whatever. I'm just saying, you know, even, even as cold as Sudbury is, like minus 40-something, there are going to be places way colder than Sudbury, so... It never ends. I wonder what the coldest place on Earth is. Must be, must be the North Pole, right? I've looked this up in the past. I, I don't know where it exactly is, but I'm always because I will find out cold places and I just like bring them up on my weather app just to see what is the weather like at the moment. And the, yeah, there's some places that are in, Wait, insane. You, you randomly like, just... could you imagine in Canada? In Canada, let's look up where uh, um, 
Remember where we went to in Nunavut? Yeah, Iqaluit, yes. Iqaluit, yes. Like, there, I would imagine, it's minus 28 there. That's that's cold. That's not frightening cold in comparison to where I would imagine the coldest places on Earth would be. So you, so on your iPhone, you just, like, list random places that happen to have the, the coldest temperature? Yes, because I want I want to see the number attached to it. I didn't realize well, this this was such a long running thing for you. Oh, it's like a game. I try to find the coldest places possible. Like, uh, okay, here we go. So, I have three places I'm going to read to you, and I want you to guess what is the coldest in order. Okay, between a Callowit, Yellowknife, and Whitehorse. These are all in the the territories of Canada. Okay, I'm gonna say I'm gonna say Whitehorse is the coldest. Yeah, is that is that one not the furthest north? I don't know. Okay, whatever. White horse? Sure. What's number two? White horse, yellow knife, Iqaluit. Okay. Number one is yellow knife at minus thirty one. Number two is a caluit, minus twenty eight. White horse a mere minus sixteen. Okay. It's pretty much beach weather in so so, White what, horse. so what are we learning? What's the what's the p- purpose of this? Don't go to the territories. Don't come to Canada this time of the year. Uh, buy a jacket. Buy a very heavy one and complain to us when we talk about it. Got it. Okay. Those are the lessons. Uh, you know, I am curious to know, like, out, out of all the people listening, where is the coldest place that uh, somebody might be listening to our shows? So if you think you are a candidate, if you think you are north or, or even colder than – the depths of Sudbury, Ontario. Let us know. Yeah, send us uh, send us the weather app with the temperature of your, your location on it. Coldest place on Earth. Or a photo. Maybe someone listening to this is... Uh, or maybe the warmest place on Earth. What do you think the warmest place is uh, at this uh, time? Oh, that's a good... That's a, I mean, I don't know. Somewhere in the desert. Um, somewhere in the Sahara Desert. Could be. All right. Let's move on. How was your day? Did you have any uh, earth-shattering news? Anything uh, that has, you know, changed the course of way things life? Not at all. No, oh. I'm exactly the same today as I was yesterday. How about you? Uh, what happened to me today? Um, streetcar was much less busy. That was a that was a win. Uh, I had this uh, terrible headache, but I'm over it now. Okay. As we as we speak. Well, I had a haircut, so that's that's somewhat. Whoa, 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 whoa! That's that's somewhat. Let, let's rewind. Let's rewind. The question was anything that is changing the course of Wei Ting's life, and you just skip over a fact like that—a haircut. Yeah, I mean, I'm a. I'm Where a, do you go for your haircut? I'm a few hairs lighter today. You've moved recently, so have you found a new barber, or are you taking a big drive? to go to a comfortable barber that you're familiar with. No, no. I, I mean, uh, when I lived downtown a few years ago, I went to this place. So uh, I'm not going to uh, give them free publicity. They're going to have to sponsor us. Of course. This yeah. Korean uh, hair, hairdresser needs yeah. to sponsor us in order to Hey, if, if we gave them a free ad, we'd be giving them quite the haircut on our rate. Yeah. Yes. Uh, so are you you're reunited with this barber that you No, thought- I'll tell I'll tell you what what's kind of uh shitty. It's that like I go to this place, I had a great experience with one of, one of the hairdressers there once, so that's the reason why I continue to go. They're also uh it's also like um it's a bunch of Asians, so I trust them with with Asian hair a bit more. Um I I hope you understand uh, fully. 
so I go to this place, and unfortunately, um, the person that I really liked, she moved back to Korea. So I'm kind of left, like, you know, with, like... <laughs> I'm gonna leave. Sorry. Yeah, I'm, I'm kind of stranded here. But nonetheless, like, I have enough faith in the establishment that I continue to go back. I've gone back now three times since I moved, moved downtown, and each time... I mean, I've had mildly, you know, decent experiences, but nothing, no chemistry like I had with this previous hairdresser. So each time I go in there, it's a bit of awkwardness where, like, I'm not specifically asking for anybody. I'm just giving everybody a shot. Take your best shot. Impress me. And three times I've had three different hairdressers. So I think next time we'll see what happens. I haven't gone to a barber since 2012. That's you should probably end up saving a lot of money. I I probably have because I would go bi weekly to get my hair cut and it just added up so much. And then when I shave my head, it's just like my wife does it for me. Or I do it myself. I kinda like doing it. Do you, to be can honest. you do you do it yourself? Wow. Yeah, yeah, I can do it myself. Like it's not as good as if my wife does it. It's uh, it's tough you can't like see the back. Yeah. But I, I I go to her and she will be She'll give me a grade of how well I did. Seems pretty simple, right? Like it's, it's, uh, imagine you use like a beard trimmer. Uh, yeah, yeah, I have, I have a few, uh, razors and it does the job. It's I like think, 20, I think 20 minutes or so. I think saves this... me having to go wait. I mean, it's quite the ordeal to go get your, your haircut, especially if time is of the essence. I think we have a great, uh, video idea on our hands. I think everything I do is a great video idea for you. Yeah, kind of is, but especially this. I'd love to you know. know like, I, I'm just like, it's the Truman Show, and I, I'm the, the listen, target. we are content creators, man. Everything is content. Didn't you listen to Stephanie? Didn't you listen to uh, uh, Gary V? Oh, man. Gary V and Stephanie McMahon. Did you listen to their podcast? I didn't even know that existed. They just did a podcast together. I had no idea. Wow. Oh, I thought that's what you were referencing. Actually, they did. No. No. They did uh, – Facebook, I think, has launched a podcast series, and I believe they were either on together or are going to be on a podcast together. So I thought that was what you were referencing. And I had no idea. I, 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 ca- I cannot wait for the mega powers of Gary V and Stephanie McMahon to come together and what that conversation will entail. I feel like that's one we should review. Maybe that will be a double shot. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Let's get into – all of the news, because I have quite the list here, Way, so get ready. Um, first of all, some XFL news. I don't know how many of you are following the XFL, but uh, Sports Business Journal, um, they reported on Tuesday that the XFL is in deep talks with ESPN and Fox, which are expected uh, – these deals could be announced very soon, which could land the games on both – um, ABC and Fox and their cable, uh, their their cable outlets as well, meaning ESPN and FS1. So it looks like the XFL is doing a lot of things right, and there is a starvation for live sports amongst these networks. That maybe the XFL, in comparison to other sports, is coming along at a relative bargain. And I, I think the XFL, whether it's going to succeed long term or not. It sounds like they're going to get at least one, if not two, really strong television deals coming out of the gate. So I think this is great news for those that are forecasting a a positive outlook for the XFL. I guess so, man. That is wild. Isn't this incredible? 
like if I was any rich guy with any interest in sports, I feel like that's this is like a sign to me. Like I let let me invent a sport. Let me invent some uh bullshit like extreme racquetball. Yeah. And Roller so, jam. Somebody out there might buy it because it's it's gotten a little ridiculous now. How much people m- money people seem to be throwing around for random sport. Who would have thought that the XFL would be somewhat of a hot commodity in 2019, 2020? So did, did you did you say uh, either Fox or ABC? You didn't say both, did you? No, I said both. They're so the, the concurrently, both. they could have no meaning separate... like yes, yes. Yeah. So we could run on both networks at the same time. Yes. Wow. That's wild. So they could, so they could have a separate deal with Fox uh, beyond the WWE, which technically this is not a, um, this is not a WWE. It's technically not connected to the WWE, although you can see where the uh, the cross pollination has has been. But nonetheless, this is uh, a separate deal with Fox, and would also include uh, a deal with. ESPN, which would get games, the report specifically states ABC. So you would have games on Fox and ABC. Imagine like a world where like Vince McMahon via XFL broadcast throws to the UFC or the UFC vice versa throwing to an XFL game. Oh, I'm sure that there would be cross promotion between the XFL and the UFC if you have games on ESPN, 100%. Now, the report did state that the talks do not involve ESPN's streaming service, ESPN+. Plus. So, I mean, great for the XFL. Like, they're going to be on linear television. And, like, this was the whole gamble was resurrecting the XFL at a time when sports rights fees are through the roof. And you already had the deal um, because in just three weeks, uh, the Alliance of American Football, which is Charlie Ebersol's league, it's going to be launching. They have their own deal with CBS where there's going to be select games on CBS, but the lion's share of the season will be on the CBS sports network. So if you're comparing Charlie Ebersol's league, where a lot of it's going to be on the CBS sports network, and then you're contrasting to the XFL that are going to have games on Fox, ABC, ESPN, and FS1, like just from a, um, the, the amount of people you can reach, like the XFL is going to have a far larger reach next year i mean if if this all goes through i think you know even more so than how we already feel about him vince mcmahon certainly is a genius promoter if he could pull this one off i, I think the smartest thing is that he has taken a background role and he's let oliver luck be the face of this company and did you hear the the name of the executive that they hired today no who jeffrey pollack oh your brother ack P-O-L-L-A-C-K, oh, okay, okay, which, is, okay. which is the frequent way my name is misspelled. But it was funny because I actually have a brother named Jeffrey. Yeah, that's hilarious. And it turned out this guy, Jeffrey Pollack, you'll never guess who his half-brother is. John. N- no. Gary Bettman. What? Wow. The NHL commissioner. That, so that, that, that was interesting. There's so many. But it seems like so, some good hires that they've had. And, I mean, ultimately, they're going to be entering this this – uh, landscape next year uh, with potentially the direct competitor. I mean, unless Charlie Ebersol's league just completely flatlines, they're going to have com- uh, competition for this spring league. But if you're coming in with like solid television deals, like that's where the money is going to be made. It's not going to be so much 
live event ticket sales and merchandise. It's going to be these television deals. So, I mean, this is a very strong, optimistic report for the XFL, the fact that they are negotiating individual deals with Fox and uh, ESPN. So anyway, um, Sports Business Journal is reporting that these deals could be uh, finalized within two weeks or so. So this is something to pay attention to. It seems like it's it's such a weird, trendy thing right now. But I, I'm I'm very curious to to fast forward five years from now and see how many of these leagues, how much hysteria there seems to there would still seem to be for networks to gobble all, all of these kind of unproven properties up uh, for high prices. I guess I I, I do want to ask though, where is the love for the CFL? Come on, everybody! The CFL just signed a deal with ESPN Plus. They did. Yeah, they're they've been on American television. They don't do big numbers. They do around 150,000 viewers, uh but they're going to be on ESPN Plus. Holy shit. Wow. When are yeah. we going to start a sports league? I don't know. Maybe we should have uh, gone that direction and just started a um, you know, a what what would be the sport you would want to uh yeah, just look at this. All, all CFL all 2018 CFL games. So this is the season that just wrapped. We're airing on ESPN Networks and ESPN Plus. So maybe it was an extension of... Anyway, they have a deal with ESPN. Sports fans, let us know how much traction the CFL is getting. I'm very curious what kind of um, interest there is, even in just the Grey Cup in the US. It's a big deal in Canada, although this year's game, I seem to recall, like it was way down in, in audience on TSN. But I'm curious how many football fans there are out there that follow the CFL because that would be a good litmus test of how much interest there is in non NFL football of what kind of audience can you expect? Like the CFL games, as I mentioned, they do very low numbers in the States. Um, If you put the XFL on network television, like a Fox or an ABC, what is the audience you can assume is, is going to be there? And it's way lower the expectation level than it was in 2001 when being on network television in prime time, the bar was so much higher that they don't have to clear this time around. But still, it's still network television, whether it be daytime games or, um, yeah, what what you're going to be able to draw in those slots. Competitive talking. That's that's our sport. That could be, yeah. I'm sure there's many people just in the wrestling industry that could vie for that. Well, moving on from football chat. I think we should definitely, when the XFL starts, we'll do weekly recaps of the XFL. Every game. I don't know about that. Okay. Um, One person who is uh, entering the mix of the competitive talkers in the WWE is Aiden English. They have announced that he has been added to the 205 Live commentary team, but they've kind of put a, uh, just a temporary label attached to him because he'll be on the team with Nigel McGuinness and Vic Joseph through WrestleMania season. So he's got 11 episodes. And at the end of that, I guess they'll make a decision on whether they're going to continue or cut bait on him, but he'll be taking the seat of Percy Watson. Uh, Obviously we're recording this right after 205 live, but I'm going to try and watch this week's episode to see how he does. I'm very curious. Um, Perhaps an indication that they don't see much for him in terms of an in-ring career. And um, perhaps wanting to see how much he he has to offer in this department. Um, Maybe he'll get a eventually get a documentary on the WWE Network. Yeah, yeah. I don't know much of of his story. I think you know 
it's a little unfortunate to me because I feel like he had so much um, to offer as a uh, manager, as a, some type of heel act. I think he was doing really well with, with Rusev. And I felt like that was ended a little abruptly without all too much of a, uh, uh, you know, benefit to anybody at, at afterwards. So it feels like he's not going to have much in the way of uh, on-screen storylines or even matches coming up, which, you know, could be a bit of a shame. But who knows? Maybe this is an, a new career for him that he'll excel at. So I'm, I'm cheering for him. Speaking of WWE commentary, they have released the teams for the Royal Rumble. So on the kickoff show, it's going to be Coachman, Beth Phoenix, and then for the first hour, because it's a two-hour kickoff show, get ready, uh, Booker T and Jerry Lawler. Then in the second hour, Shawn Michaels and David Otunga will swap in for Booker and Lawler. And then calling the men's rumble, it's going to be a four-man team of Michael Cole, Corey Graves, JBL, and Jerry Lawler. So Lawler had indicated— Why? 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 Well, there's so many people. Um, You've got to have multiple voices to call all the action. Okay, so so you have to. It makes no sense to me. I I only have two ears. I don't need four voices to cover everybody. That's I don't understand at all. I don't know what the man there has been for bring Jerry Lawler or JBL back. I think you they think way too hard about this bullshit. Well, then we have the women's match, which will be called by Tom Phillips, Corey Graves, Renee Young, and Beth Phoenix. And then it's the Raw team for the Universal title match, the SmackDown team for the WWE title match, and then Vic Joseph, Nigel McGuinness, and the returning Percy Watson will call the Cruiserweight title four-way. I don't know why we're inserting Watson in this Sunday. I I can't overthink these uh, decisions. Uh, But the kickoff will also feature, uh, beyond the Cruiserweight match, Rusev and Shinsuke Nakamura. That's your your two matches. I want to hear 30 commentators at once. (laughs) One for every participant of each Rumble. Don't you remember that time Mauro Ronaldo changed it to his (laughs) profile picture where they were ringside at SmackDown? And I I swear there were eight people at the desk that he he put the... It was like his profile picture for a a brief time. Imagine the hell those audio guys have to go through. Like, I don't know how many mixers they create that could accommodate the number of mics that they must use on those productions for the commentary desk desk alone. Like, Hey, say what you will about how those commentary, the multiple teams come off. They never have technical problems to their credit. They're the best in the industry. Certainly no doubt, but man, that's just, that's overkill. Um, as well. Um, I know uh, some people may realize that, Takeover is the same night as Bellator 214 on Saturday night. More Ronaldo is calling Takeover this Saturday, and his next Bellator event is going to be February the 16th. So he'll be calling Takeover with Nigel and Percy Watson, which is shaping up to be another great Takeover. Maybe we will uh, we will preview that as well on Thursday's uh, pr- uh, prediction show. But I assume you'll be watching Takeover. Yeah, sometimes I forget exactly like. How busy Moro is, because this dude just shows up everywhere. Every weekend, he's he's got a major event going on. Just last weekend, the Theo yeah, Broner fight. Yeah, he did the, the the Showtime fight, and then you know he'll be doing taping shortly after this uh, from from the Takeover. Uh, Bellator is in a couple of weeks as well, so yeah, it's a it's a very very busy schedule. Ring of Honor put out uh, an update on Flip Gordon, uh, the match he had with Tracy Williams. Full MCL tear in his right knee, but they're optimistic he'll be back in time for the Madison Square Garden card on April the 6th, which is longer than they had 
they had previously estimated. They were thinking four weeks. So it's going to be longer than that, but it seems, seems that he will be okay for the big show WrestleMania weekend. Mm. And I, I think notable that he was, he's been in the opening credits of uh, being the elite. And this week, when he does his little, uh, you know, flip around uh, for the opening, it like cuts. Did you notice this? I did. Yeah, yeah. Some people in the comments brought that up too, and I think that was certainly intentional. Um, it remains to be seen how much of a role he will have, and how much of a role of a role Marty will have. Uh, mm-hmm. How much they're able to shoot backstage at Ring of Honor, or even you know, in in any type of context within uh, Ring of Honor setting. Uh, that that I think will be really interesting. But would, would Ring of Honor uh, raise an issue? Yeah. with Marty specifically Marty Skrull appearing on there and and try to exercise their exclusivity on him and apply it to a, a digital outlet like being the elite and yeah. that's where things could get tricky between the two groups when yeah. you're you're trying to you know protect your assets which Marty Skrull is because being the elite is not now this this show serving Ring of Honor it is now facilitating storylines and angles for a competitor yeah, as we'll talk about on, on the double shot when we'll talk about that, plus uh, a bunch of other things. Being the lead, I, I feel like, you know, going forward will be a bit of a weekly Barker show for all Elite Wrestling's uh, uh, talent. And uh, having Marty show up on that, I'm sure Ring of Honor wouldn't necessarily be happy. But um, at the same time, you know, you can't argue that that show hasn't helped people like Marty Squirrel become as successful as they have and ring of honor reaps the benefits of using him and guys like flip Gordon. So maybe they can work something out, but uh, you know, it's, it's sort of bad timing for flip. I I think ring of honor was, was poised to position him as a, as a major star that won't change anything. I think, you know, it puts more attention on him, this unfortunate injury as, as bad as that sounds. But I think the moment he comes back, it should be a big moment if they treat it properly. Yeah, I, I don't know when Marty Skrull's deal is up, but it becomes difficult that here is this this big asset in your company, and how do you go about um, booking this guy throughout the year? Do you do it with the intent that mm. there's there's a likelihood he will resign, or are is is Ring of Honor's head office? Do they have their their phone ticking and they're just looking to when this contract ends that they're going to lose this guy? It's it, yeah. he's the more, most interesting case of. You know how do you go about utilizing this guy? Because he he should be a main event star that is involved heavily throughout this year. It doesn't seem like they're really slowing down his push at all. They gave him his own faction, right? I think it would be be certainly the wrong thing to just shelve him for an entire year. No, I, it makes I, no sense. Yeah, like you kind of have to just go with the optimistic approach that you know if we lose him, we lose him, but we're not gonna. You know, cut yeah. off our nose to spite our face because, you know, there's the fear we'll lose this guy. I think the better option is to just use this guy for his value. He's like one of the top t-shirt sellers in the wrestling industry right now. And I think, um, it, it, you know, you use him to, to to benefit your own show. Hopefully get that value onto other guys like a PCO or a Brody King. And so that, you know, even if Marty leaves, you're not completely dry. All right. Well, that takes us into SmackDown from Wichita, Kansas where it was minus six Celsius on Tuesday night and it was snowing. Did you see that shot outside the arena? Um, I, I missed it. 
Looked like a blizzard out there. Hey, before we go on, I do want to uh, promote some of the other things we got going on on the double shot coming up after uh, SmackDown for our. Oh, pat- I, w- I was just about to uh, rewind and go through all that. <laughs> Thank oh, you. Okay, okay, yeah, for our patrons, of course, at the Post Wrestling Cafe, Patreon.com/slash Post Wrestling, we do a free show, or sorry, I guess a, pa- a free show for our patrons, if that makes sense, uh, a bonus show for our patrons, talking about everything that we don't get to cover on these two Rewind to Raw and Rewind to SmackDown shows, and on this week. It's a huge addition. As we mentioned, we'll be talking about the latest being the Elite. Uh, I'll be talking about the latest edition of Total Bellas, which was quite uh, quite the insightful look at uh, post-motherhood um, issues, I would say. Oh. And John, what else have we got? Well, I'm going to... Uh, time permitting, I'll go through Impact Wrestling from last week. I want to give enough time for... Uh, WWF Superstars. I'm going to be reviewing the June 6th, 1992 episode, uh, which was one of 34 episodes they uploaded on the WWE Network. Going to go through that. And I do have notes here for Impact. And time permitting, I'll I'll go through Impact as well. But Superstars is is the real main event. I think that's the main event. I had some spare time this afternoon, so I decided to, to watch it myself. I went in like, I mean, you know, I hear about like new stuff being uploaded on the network all the time. And none of it really interests me. Like, why would I ever go back to rewatch a random jobber match from such and such? But Superstars holds a, a real kind of like a nostalgic place in my heart because that's how I started to watch wrestling. So I decided to watch it in this specific. Uh, yeah, I, I have not enjoyed like an experience like that, watching some random one hour wrestling match in a long, long time. It was very different and it hit all the nostalgic notes that um i think i i've i've been looking for for professional wrestling so i look for look forward to talking about this one with you okay well that's uh i'm excited that you have watched this as well so that's all coming up on the double shot and then just a quick look ahead to this week british wrestling experience is out wednesday where uh, benno is going to be joined by will cooling from fighting spirit magazine they'll be chatting all the latest news Then on Thursday, we've got the Cafe Hangout. If you are a Double Double, Ice Cap, or Espresso member, you can watch that show live at 3 p.m. by logging in at patreon.com slash postwrestling. We'll be joined by Jimmy Corderas for our Royal Rumble preview, and we'll also be taking predictions uh, where you can call in or Skype in. Uh, That's, again, Thursday at 3 p.m. Eastern Time. And and also, if you're a video patron at any of those tiers, that means on Sunday – Right at 11 o'clock or whenever the Rumble ends, you can watch us do our review live. Uh, and you can call in for that show, too, at the end of that. Yes, those three levels, that gives you all the live video access and the chance to call in on either of those shows. Thursday, up next with Braden and Davey is out. Friday, it's the return of Ask Away, a gigantic mailbag show where we are going to get through all of the questions that have been building up for months and months. Saturday, TakeOver Post Show with Braden and Davey. That will be up Saturday night. And, of course, Sunday night is the Royal Rumble Post Show. Once again, live right after the show ends. And it will be up free for everybody late that night. So, very packed week at postwrestling.com. And you can join the post office, the Post Wrestling Cafe at postwrestlingcafe.com. We should probably consolidate some of these things. Well, it's... uh, yeah, we could have um, – how could we consolidate? We could I do – um, uh, Braden and Davey could answer all of our questions while uh, Davey reviews NXT and Braden can just read questions. Well, and I, I just – I meant like the names of all, all – Oh, the names. I thought you meant literally the shows. Like No, we can all merge. Them. We can all yeah. merge into one person. 
Yes. <laughs> All right. SmackDown. Tuesday night. Wichita, Kansas. Have you ever been to Wichita? I have not. You? That makes... uh, All the time. Becky Lynch comes out at the beginning. She notes that it wasn't that long ago that no one was paying attention to her, but now everyone has an opinion about what the man should be doing, and all she cares about is headlining WrestleMania, and she's going to slap the heads of everyone that gets in her way. The other women have been warming themselves over the fire that she lit She's going to take her title back Sunday. She broke the queen. Now she's going to beat the empress. And that prompts Asuka to come out, followed by Charlotte Flair. And Charlotte cuts a big promo, noting what are her options if she wins the Rumble. Because if it's Ronda and Sasha, she's lost count over how many times she's beaten Sasha. And Ronda, she still has bruises from Ken. And this place was silent, (laughs) silent as they realized, or maybe I noticed that no one realizes that Charlotte and Eddie Edwards have the same nickname for their kendo stick. Oh, okay. I didn't realize that. uh, Kenny. Yeah. I wonder if they knew that. Oh, this joke died to death. It did. I mean, I don't think it was so much supposed to be a joke as it was like, you know, kind of like a, a witty dialogue, I suppose, but it certainly didn't help that like, you know, Be- uh, Becky certainly didn't seem to recognize it to the point that uh, it, Charlotte felt the need to explain it to Becky. It sounded kind of silly and certainly didn't to me didn't work. Yeah. And if she had not explained it and you were a newer viewer, you would have assumed this had something to do with like a male assaulting Ronda Rousey. Yeah, I like it. You know, I like it. I, I, I just wish that it was maybe brought up more often. Like if she walks out with a kendo stick all the time and calls it Ken. No, you, you do not want that. Why Trust not? Me. Charlotte referring to Ken. Here's Ken. I've got Ken with me. I don't think I, I, do, I don't thing. I don't think that's the way to go with uh, her, her pal. Okay. Ken. Um, then she says she's owned this division for four years. She's the main event. Asuka gets bored with the promo, so she jumps Becky. They fought on the floor. The officials are out. Asuka gets tossed over the desk, and Becky starts whipping her with a jacket, which... Jack. Man, I... <laughs> Now, that's funny. Ken and that's Jack. Funny. This is uh, Ken and Jack, yeah. yeah. Maybe Kelly Kelly could come back, and then we could have Ken and Barbie. Yes, yes. I would hate to get whipped by a jacket. I would rather be just hit with a chair. You got the sure. leather and like the like the the metal part at the at the end of the sleeve. Ugh, that would just be annoying. I mean, real leather or faux leather? Well, I I don't know. I I don't know what the the make of this was. Uh, so the fight continues backstage after the commercial, and this was the night of attacks by all of these people that have matches on Sunday. And Becky and Oscar were finally broken up, and. That was our conclusion of their buildup for Sunday's match. Mm-hmm. I enjoyed Becky's promo this week. I thought she sounded very confident, very concise. She stated her desire to main event WrestleMania. And typically, you know, if it was somebody like wrestling in the in the Royal Rumble, I don't look too far too much into that. But because it's Becky Lynch saying it, somebody who I think uh, there's a lot of audience demand to see uh, main eventing WrestleMania, I feel like they wouldn't just throw a line out there without seeing it through. So this read to me like that might be what they're aiming for this year uh, with the women. So I hope that's the case. 
Asuka came out here this week and she had no awkwardly scripted English lines. Instead, she, there was a lot of screaming in Japanese. And overall, uh, I felt like it came across better, but I still feel like she should be showcased as somebody who speaks more more with her actions instead of really any of this. And um, kind of the one of the unfortunate things of them still not having found her voice yet on SmackDown has resulted in her feeling like a real background player throughout this entire championship run thus far. She's She just has very little presence compared to uh, Becky or Charlotte. I mean, she has far fewer scripted lines, but I feel like there's a way to position somebody as your champion, as a threat at the end of it all, even without many lines. Like, look at look at your Stings, look at your Brock Lesnar's, you know? Look at The Undertaker. So they still haven't really figured that out with Asuka. And, and so by the end of this build, I would say that, you know, it's a match that already looks good on paper, but I don't think much of the build for this match in particular between Becky and Asuka has been all that successful. Um, it just kind of feels like it's a preliminary bout en route to the real matches that we all want to see between Becky, Charlotte, and Ronda. Yeah, I... I want to reserve judgment until we see what comes out of Sunday, but I feel like this women's rumble would have a lot more steam behind it if it was announced that Charlotte and Becky were both in this rumble and you have two viable candidates that could win this match or they both go over at the same time, but this is like the showdown for the title shot and whether people believe in the back of their mind that, that Becky could end up in this rumble anyway, um, they can't it, it just it. Yeah, they can't announce it, and I don't. You can't really build off of any anticipation because it's it's just kind of reserved in the back of people's minds as a what if. I think the idea was to have Becky in a marquee match because you know you got to fill that stadium. Becky versus somebody. I mean, Becky challenging challenging for the title is probably something you know that that you want to promote. Um, but I do expect her in the Rumble. I think most do, and if not, like this Rumble, this women's Rumble. Like, who can you even make the argument could win this Rumble if not for Charlotte of the ones announced? Yeah, it'd be those two. Like, it just – like, all the key women are not in this match. Well, They're all I in mean, title if, matches. If Asuka retains the belt, then, you know, you can get a SmackDown challenger for Asuka in a, in a match that probably wouldn't receive as much interest. In, but I think that would be a bit of a waste. You know, I think everybody wants to see the Rumble lead to something big for either uh, – probably for Becky, actually. More so than anybody mm-hmm. else. Then we got a video package for Mandy Rose and Naomi with this female voiceover and covering the indecent proposal by Mandy Rose. Uh, this brought me back to the NBC classic Passions. Sorry. And they promised an eruption of emotions later tonight. Okay. It felt like a soap opera. Is that yes? Is that what Passions was? A cheesy soap opera. Right. Passions was not a show that took itself seriously. It tried to be ridiculous. Well, that's what this was. That's that's what this was. This could have totally been interspersed into uh, the world of uh, the Cranes and oh man, it's bringing me back to Passions now. Underrated show, man. You and I like. I think had we 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 would never have talked in high school. No, we we certainly had very different upbringings. I was playing Tetris and. You were watching Passions. And somehow the world brought us together, Way, Yeah. Naomi versus Mandy Rose. Uh, Naomi attacks her in the aisle and drives her into the apron. I like the fact that 
we have a grudge match, and thus it started like a grudge match. Like mm-hmm. this woman couldn't wait to get her hands on her. We didn't have, you know, a bunch of wrestling holds to start this match. Naomi is slapping her, backhands her, and after the break, there's a running kick and these repeated forearms from Naomi. Knocks Mandy into the referee, and this allows Sonya Deville to grab Naomi from the floor. Rose capitalizes, bangs Naomi's head into the post, and pins her. And then out of nowhere, Jimmy Uso is just suddenly in the ring. Did he come out with Naomi, or did he just come out of nowhere? I didn't notice this guy at all until the end. He's suddenly in the ring, like, consoling Naomi. Yeah, he did not come out with her. Uh, I'm assuming he just, like, snuck in from the crowd, maybe. Uh, He was... um, You know... I'll say, like, after watching Superstars, I gain a real appreciation for matches, even as advertisers. Oh, I, I loved some of the, these matches in, in 1992. Just, oh, my God. Oh, my God. It's, <laughs> you know, we go, we go back. I'm getting my, ahead of myself. I'm saving all of this for later. Okay. All right. Well, uh, you know, I thought this match was fine. You know, it's, it's not a feud that's attracting people because of their work rate. It's a feud that's built on cheesy soap opera type of stories. And I think, you know, my 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 judgment on their performances is is largely based on the success of of the story. I think it's turned a lot of people off. You know, a lot of people that are expecting more than just bad soap opera television in 2019 for the women specifically. But I'll say, like, I I feel like in 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 a in a major in her first feud, I thought Rose did relatively well. You know, like she played the part. You can criticize what that part is, but I felt like Mandy did a decent job living up to it. And I think Naomi, uh, somebody who hasn't really had this type of attention since she was uh, champion last, I think she feels like a real strong leading hero. Um, I think her confidence this time around feels like it's something she's always had. And I actually find her quite charismatic as a performer. Yeah, I think the feud has to continue. Mandy Rose has gotten one up on Naomi at every turn that I feel that this has to build up to some kind of blow off. You've got to continue this till at least Valentine's day, right? Absolutely. Yeah. Well, what is what I mean? Okay. Uh, Naomi hopefully will win, but like it, do you expect a twist? You expect a soap opera type of twist at the end of it all. Sonya, uh, ma- something with Sonya, maybe Sonya and Jimmy. Uh, well, I don't know if that is going to happen. Yeah, but probably not. So uh, perhaps Naomi, this, maybe maybe Jay uh, decides that he sides with Mandy. Well, they have a lot of elements to play with. That's for sure. Rey Mysterio cut a promo, brought up winning the Royal Rumble in two thousand and six, lasting over an hour, and his speed allowed him not to be trapped. And he's going to repeat history on Sunday. But tonight, it's about respect and getting it from Andrade. And he notes that Zelina Vega will be banned from ringside for the two of three falls match. I thought for a scripted promo, Ray like pulled this off probably better than a lot of people would. Um, maybe it's because he wears a mask. So it kind of feels like somewhat artificial anyway. But um, I, I, I like the premise of the promo. It's based on respect and how this time uh, Ray has none of it for Andrade. So it's. This match will be a lot more heated and and, and uh, different from the others. Can we say that uh, three weeks into 2019 that the WWE's MVP of the year has been Rey Mysterio? Um, he he's a candidate. Yeah, I'm trying to think who who he's the other my pick. Be. Yeah, uh, these main, three weeks he's been a highlight every week for me. Just like main roster. Yeah, maybe all of WWE. Sure. Yeah. 
Daniel Bryan's been really good too, uh, but more so as a character. I think Becky continues to like be strong. But if you're talking matches, then yeah, I would say Ray. After tonight, I want Daniel Bryan and Rey Mysterio at WrestleMania. That is the match I want to see, and I yeah. don't think it's happening. But that would be my choice of what I would most want to see. Yeah, yeah, we'll talk about who we think that the it'll lead towards. I'm sure as it gets closer. Total Bellas this Sunday night, going up against the Royal Rumble. Uh, if you are not watching the Rumble, you can learn all about Nikki Bella having a midlife crisis. Yeah, which is um, midlife. And she's I, come I, on. I, she's, I, well, our, was, she's she's our age. That's not midlife. I was gonna say like it's. I know midlife crisis is kind of just a term you use. She is thirty five. I guess seventy is very young to be projecting. Don't you yeah, think? Yeah, I guess so. With the way technology is, I I feel like midlife crises crises tend to occur what in your late forties, fifties. Come on. Yeah, well, that's happening on Sunday. Have you followed this stuff with Henry Cejudo? This this Holy. thing blew up today. Yeah, I kind of did. Yeah, Nikki. Uh, I, I think Nikki is so smart that well, she responded to it. Of course. Look at all this publicity. She's gotten out of this, and Henry Cejudo should just be um, forever indebted to Ariel Helwani and Nikki Bella. Ariel, really, like, yeah, oh my like he's, he is matchmaker. I mean, he's matchmaker not only in terms of in a romantic sense, but also uh, bridging the worlds between MMA and pro wrestling, as he usually. This thing does. is unreal. Like, I was just like laughing at this today. I just did not see this one coming. So Nikki, so for people, people who don't know, Nick, Nikki Bella responded to he- Henry Cejudo's. Uh, um, cries of affection that he displayed on Ariel Hawani's uh, MMA show, and uh, Nikki she just totally played into it. It was great. Yeah, Nikki released released a selfie video talking about how, oh, maybe you can show me some moves next time I'm down there. Oh, where is where is he trained? They're Phoenix? both out of uh, well, he's based in Arizona, which is where uh, Brian and Bree live. Right. Um, yeah, she lives that, in that, she that's lives, where they live. Well, she lives in L.A. as as we learned on on. Uh, last week's episode uh right. but yeah she's like next time i go to arizona we you can teach me show me some special moves and uh we can open a bottle of bella radici so listen dollar signs were in this woman's eyes as she was cutting the selfie promo and uh again it, she is a businesswoman she's a very smart businesswoman and and you know i will romance come out of this maybe if it benefits the show Nikki Bella, uh, the elite have nothing over the Bellas. Yeah. I just thought she was brilliant the way she handled this. And this has become, this was splashed like all over like ESPN today. But you know, great for Henry Cejudo too. Oh, it's great for him. I mean, it's just both are just milking off each other here and just getting a bunch of publicity out of this. Oh my God. I thought you were going to make a joke there. That's, that's uh, for later on. (laughs) Oh yeah. So anyway, just look at that. Like everyone is covering this it's just unreal anyway uh so that was tuesday cesaro and the miz had a singles match cesaro just annihilated miz with these repeated uppercuts and miz goes down suplexes him and then miz comes back he gets the figure four and sheamus pulls him to the rope they go to the floor cesaro then goes for the cover with his feet on the ropes shane knocks them off because the referee had no idea what was happening here they desperately needed kurt hawkins and then Sheamus attacks Shane on the floor and then nails Miz from the middle rope, setting up the neutralizer. Cesaro gets the win. 
And then after, the the grizzled vet, Shane McMahon, he's going to get physical. And he jumps both Cesaro and Sheamus and starts attacking him with Corey Graves channeling his inner Mike Goldberg. Punches and bunches. And he rams Cesaro into the post. Shane then clears the desk. He places Cesaro onto the desk, climbs to the top, and he's shoved off by Sheamus. I thought this was great. You yeah. don't deliver the spot. Everyone's pissed. I, I thought it was a really smart spot. Mm-hmm. And he hits Shane with the bro kick, places Miz onto the desk, and then they powerbomb Shane through Miz on the table as both men are laid out. And I thought that Graves and, T- and Tom Phillips reacted really well to this. And then Phillips has to like look off camera standing to throw to the next segment. Um, yeah, I really like the post-match attack here. And, you know, they, they've... They've got something here with this tag program. This is not your typical throwaway tag title match that's just filling up time on the pay-per-view with some good workers that'll have a good match. You've had a real story attached to this. I agree. I think they've actually, I mean, listen, all the best in the world stuff aside, um, I feel like they've done a good job of uniting this Shane McMahon-Miz team and getting the audience to come along with for the ride to the point where I feel like the Miz in this match, to me, he's still such a... Unnatural baby face. But, like, in this match, I thought he was receiving a good reaction. Even that figure four, that terrible figure four, is getting a baby face reaction. So, um, I, I think um, they've done a good job, like, getting this audience on their side. Which, ultimately, to me, I still see as, like, the Miz setting Shane up. Uh, and I think that, mo- that moment will be awesome. Uh, no, you know... Uh, no like pun, I'm, no I, I feel if if you execute that at the Rumble, like I think this feud is enough that that could be Shane's match at WrestleMania. Then, like it seems to me the enough, direction, enough. like it does to me too. Yeah, um, like who else? Who else are they going to face? Um, I I really like the table spot, not just the the the, the missing the elbow one, but like the actual uh, table spot that the the bar delivered to to Shane and the Miz. Like it looked devastating, and I think for the first time, like I was able to see glimpses of the bar being portrayed as like two killers, like two very scary, physically dominant monsters, which I think is the way that these two would be the most effective in ring. They wrestle like that. They wrestle like, you know, like your AOPs and your Harper, Harper and Rowan's yet. I feel like their characters thus far have really just been kind of pseudo comedic, um, food fight wrestling guys. So I'd love to see a more serious edge given to the bar coming up so yeah yeah it's like you do have a babyface tag team that you do feel people are actually rooting for like you have a bunch of babyface tag teams but are there are there any tag teams that the that the audience truly is rooting for like even the new day i, I don't know if there's necessarily that like i think people really want to see shane mcmahon and Miz succeed here and, and i think that they've People they like played Shane. off this. They do. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, and then after the break, they show Miz and Shane still being tended to on the floor. And they cut to the back and Vince McMahon is watching on the television monitor. And I saw a number of people remark about, oh, really nice of Vince to not even care about his son. And I'm just like, that is the whole story here. I thought this was a brilliant cutaway. Yeah. It goes right back to the fact that it goes back to Shane's father issues. Like this is the reason he formed this bond with the Miz. 
and just this one cutaway to Vince watching. That was not done for no reason. I thought it was really smart, and it it totally just underscored the whole rationale for Shane trusting this guy. And if the heel turn comes, it's even better because Shane went against his better judgment because he was blinded by what he believed was this perceived slight that Miz has from his own father. And he's battling this own thing with Vince. I really have – this feud has uh, very much impressed me from not really caring about it that much at the beginning. That seems really interesting. I, I certainly didn't make those connections when I saw that shot, but that would make a lot of sense to me. That would also suggest th- to me, though, that they would have a level of storytelling that I I have not seen from them in many, many other examples on this show. So uh, To me, it's like, why why else would you do that, that cutaway? I'm not disagreeing with you, yeah. but I feel that cutaway and no, given – the you're, premise you're right. behind this, I do feel that was done with that intention. I hope so. I absolutely hope you're right because I, it tells me that they might have a really great ending to this whole story that uh, would really impress us. Um, part of me wonders if it's just simply them doing it to avoid the awkwardness of Vince coming right out after Shane. Um, but I, I hope you're right, man. Uh, in between this, uh, there was a video, a really great video feature for Samoa Joe and Mustafa Ali's match. And they went back to Mustafa Ali's promos that he had been doing out on the streets in Chicago. And he cut a new one here and talked about looking into Samoa Joe's eyes and the challenges. Uh, He challenges Joe to look him into his eyes because he has no fear, only purpose. He has a light where darkness has nowhere to run or hide. And he tells Joe right into the camera, I can beat you. This was a very strong video. Yeah, these are so great. And uh, when Ali first started doing these on 205 Live is when I started to first really take notice of his promo ability. I'm really glad that not only are they allowing him the chance to speak, but they're keeping this very unique form of, you know, uh, video that seems unique to just him alone. I believe like he probably just gets a friend in Chicago who seems to be a very talented videographer yeah, yeah, his name escapes me. We talked yeah. about him before. I I would have just hired that guy. I'm sure. Like, yeah, they're probably like going those to are the kinds of people him. everyone's going after. The like, problem I, is, uh, like, well, he probably did this. Like, if he's if he is in Chicago, this this was probably done when he was off the road. Not everybody has like a talented videographer friend they can rely on to shoot a promo in their hometown, right? But I, they don't need, need, need one now. Yeah, I guess so. But like I, I'm, I'm at least happy that Mustafa Ali himself gets to keep this because to me this is like one of the best ways to convey who this guy is. This type of promo. Vince McMahon comes out for the face-to-face segment. He says it's going to be a heck of a tag title match on Sunday. Just recapping the beatdown of his son, and he brings out AJ Styles followed by Brian, and Brian will not enter the ring. He's going to stay on the floor. Because he calls AJ a sociopath who slammed him into the processed animal carcasses last week out on the concourse. He calls the future ignorant, impotent, and illiterate if AJ were to be champion. And AJ uses his power to get fame and money. He uses his power for the greater good. And Brian then says that he makes his fans jump up and scream. But AJ doesn't make his fans think. He is not the people's champion. I am the planet's champion. And everyone boos him. I love the, that line. I the planet's champion. Oh, it's great. Can you, the, you know, I, my go-to is like, what a great t-shirt idea, but this character should not have a t-shirt. Exactly. 
You know, but, but the thing is, though, he doesn't need to. Like, I, I understand calling yourself the planet's champion, but listen, you have the world championship. Why not just say I'm the world's champion in the sense that I, I'm protecting the world first instead of the people? Planet sounds much more environmental and uh, that's far less. You know, he far. should rename the belt then. He should scratch out world on that belt and write planet instead. Yes, the champion of the planet. He says the planet doesn't need AJ. They need him. And he uses his platform to be the planet's voice. So AJ comes back and says, I didn't see you pedaling your bicycle to the arena. I think you took a plane here. And he calls Brian Fickle. And Brian is afraid to step into the ring with him. What kind says, of comeback is that? Oh, I thought AJ was brutal in this. Imagine it was like, just such lame one-liners to combat Brian, who was just eviscerating him with insults. Imagine like an actual debate, and like like AJ certainly felt like he was coming back with like kind of like grade school type of insults. But anyway, please please go on. Yeah, Brian must have had to bite his tongue to not make any flat Earth jokes here. Uh, against oh, AJ because that would have just made him look really dumb even though it's such an easy layup of an insult and then AJ says the title has corrupted your morals and I'm thinking what are you talking about this guy all he has is morals in spite of this title like that's all he's preaching about is his moral his moral compass maybe he means his morals in the sense that you know Brian's a lot uh, more willing to cheat these days you know, be a coward in, 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 like, shoving Vince McMahon in front of him to defend an attack. Brian goes to quote Carl Sagan when Vince just cuts him off and demands he get into the ring. So Brian shifts his focus to Vince McMahon and blames him as the poster child of the baby boomer generation. A bunch of parasites in this world. And you put profits over the planet every time and the people bow to you. These people who have been reduced to trading Instagram likes, Facebook messages, and my favorite line of the year, and social media stuff, while you are in the back hoarding all this wealth and power, yet these people ignore it. I will never, ever go travel to Saudi Arabia again for you, Vince McMahon. Don't you ever ask me again. Oh, man. (laughs) Vince cuts him off again to get into the ring. So AJ says, well, it's a face-to-face, so I'll go to him. And he attacks Brian on the floor, sends him into the steps, and Brian hides behind Vince for the phenomenal forearm and lays out AJ with the flying knee. I, I, I mean, you you know, you jest what, with the Saudi Arabia stuff, but, like, knowing who Daniel Bryan is and... I was mean, anyone not thinking that during this scathing... No, I was. Uh, ...promo against Vince? You know, yeah, and, like, but knowing who he is, it, like, it's hard for somebody like me to really hate the guy as good of a job as he is doing. And I think it, I don't think there's anything wrong with Brian, with what Brian is doing as a, as a heel. Like I just don't think AJ is strong enough as a baby face, at least not in terms of his material. What I really want to see more from AJ is to come back with justifications for why we shouldn't feel guilty for being consumers. Why, you know, it's fine to drive SUVs. If, you know, you're somebody just living your life. Um, if you have a family, it makes sense why you would drive a minivan. It's, you know, if you, it's okay to sell merchandise because you have a family to feed. And this is how our system, our established system has kind of uh, been set up for us to achieve these things. 
I AJ want... Styles is the last person that's going to cut this promo. I guess so. But I mean, I want AJ to just sound a bit smarter and engage with Brian on that level so that he doesn't look like an idiot coming out of all this. Because I find myself kind of like, like seeing, seeing this argument and it's like, I feel like I just want to agree with Brian a whole lot. And I just, it, AJ doesn't have to write the material. Like he had, he could have people write it for him. I just don't feel like he's being really positioned as uh, as strong of a baby face as I think he should be. Well, I, I think that the the issue you have is that everyone knows that Daniel Bryan, like these are real issues to him, but he's not an asshole about him. His character is an, a total asshole about it. And mm-hmm. that you can have a lot of noble causes you can support, but it's it's in how you... Uh, sell it on people. Yeah. But don't you think I, a, a baby face would say that? Like if AJ was like a true hero, hero he would say, I'm uh, not disagreeing. Brian, yeah. Brian, you make some very valid points. We should be concerned about the polar ice caps, but yada, yada, yada. But you're being a real asshole about it. Why don't you just chill out and we could sit down and talk about these serious issues at a later time. Like to me, AJ is not addressing any of that. In fact, he's just kind of hiding from it instead shouting, Oh, didn't you fly a plane here? You didn't ride a bike here. Oh. That was so weak. Yeah. <laughs> Unless you're riding a bike across the country in the snow, you're a hypocrite. Yeah. Um, yeah, there's ways to go about it. I mean, the WWE go-to would have just been put together a Total Bellas highlight reel of Daniel Bryan using all manufactured items. Their go-to uh, would have been to... Living off the earth. Their go-to would, go-to would be to Photoshop Bryan's head on like... Uh, <laughs> gas station or something well nonetheless i thought brian was great in this segment um he was good he's great he really is and they should have an outstanding match on sunday Mm -hmm. vince mcmahon was i don't even know why he was part of this other than they probably feel vince mcmahon in this segment is going to uh boost the number um but by the end of this what i was clamoring for and it's impossible to do but could you imagine this heel daniel bryan against Vince McMahon at his best in like 99 or 2000 as like his babyface foil to to respond to Daniel Bryan because you know every single item that comes out of Daniel Bryan's mouth Vince McMahon just completely detests. Mhm. And yeah. I was like, man, if like this guy was on his See, A game of but I 20 think years I, ago, it, what a great segment this would have been. But I think in that feud Vince would position himself as the babyface. Oh, you would have to. You would have to. It would have to be a, a baby face Vince, even though <laughs> probably whatever his comebacks would be would would probably be turning off many people as well. But I, I think it would have been a, a fascinating uh, to have this guy as Vince McMahon's foil, this environmentalist. R-Truth and Carmella are backstage talking about their options as the 30th entrance in the Rumble and... Truth is debating if he would face AJ or Daniel Bryan. So Carmella brings up Lesnar and says, I don't want to be taken to Sioux Falls City. Uh-huh. <laughs> he also mentions he could choose to face Bobby Murphy, the cruiserweight champion. But Carmella notes that there is a weight limit. And he says, are you calling me fat? So moving on which is exactly what Carmella did. She just ditched this guy. She walked up to Charlotte and she explains what the Royal Rumble is like to Charlotte. She compares it to a tornado and Carmella is number 30. And if you make it to the end, 
you'll have to deal with the gatekeeper in Gucci. And no one is getting through her. But Charlotte is confident because of who she is. And she says, the Royal Rumble isn't the tornado. I am. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The gatekeeper in Gucci. That's what she identified herself as. Cool. Yeah. Samoa Joe Mustafa Ali. Joe started attacking him with strikes. And Ali came back with a springboard that gets stopped. And he drops him face first onto the edge of the apron. Joe's berating him. Saying, you wanted this. Ali does his uh, roll through into a face buster. And then goes for a suicide dive. And nearly clears Joe on the floor. Then he leaps off the barricade. Takes Joe down finally. Hits him in the ring with a tornado DDT. And then Corey Graves mentions that Mustafa Ali needs that David mentality. The story of choice this week. That David mentality. Maybe he means David Copperfield. (laughs) David Blaine. Well, well, I wish this story would disappear. Uh, Maybe David Copperfield could help with that. I didn't see uh, Mustafa Ali eating any mushrooms, though. (laughs) Joe stops him on the turnbuckle. Sorry, I'm just... uh... (laughs) I know, again, we're we're getting ahead of ourselves, but man, like, the moment that WBF commercial showed up on Superstars and just beef, 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 I just, I immediately <laughs> reminded me of, like, Vince last week talking about oh. beef. Holy shit. Anyway. Finn Balor's no Gary Stridham. Oh, my God. Oh, the, the new standard for drug-free competition, the WBF. We'll get to all of that on the double shot. Joe just stops him abruptly on the turnbuckle, locks on the coquina clutch, and he taps out Mustafa Ali. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, I mean, uh, they are pushing Ali, but, like, uh, he is being pushed as David, isn't he? And Davids can afford losses, evidently. Doesn't see a lot of beef. Yes, yes. Uh, I don't. I didn't mind the finish. To be quite honest with you, I was just happy that we had a clean finish on this show because everything else was like a, some type of distraction thing. Um, I don't think it hurts Ali at all. I think Joe, in fact, needs a win, and um, I think it kind of sets up Ali for you know like what you've suggested—a big elimination at the Rumble, perhaps against Samoa Joe. Yeah, and it, it seemed that Samoa Joe was being built up pretty significantly on, on this show, um, as we will get to later. Uh, this is where they go off the matches for the, the kickoff show, the Cruiserweight match, and the United States title match. No Rusev or Nakamura on this show. New Day is in the back playing pool. And they're watching some of Kofi Kingston's Royal Rumble highlights when Kayla Braxton comes in to interview them. And it was Dasha on Monday, everyone, the interviewer. Kayla asks, are you three willing to eliminate each other? And Xavier says every year we're asked that exact same question, whether it was from Tom Phillips or Renee Young or Mike Rome. Now it's you, Kayla. What's next? Tony Chimmel. And Tony Chimmel walked in to ask them that question and they shoot him away asking, is Edge here too? Then they said, if they win, what's the connection? Edge must have been there. uh, I don't think he was there, but that was just, that was always Tony Chimmel's big intro was. The rated R superstar edge. So the New Day explains if one of them wins, they all win, which is not how it works. Big E called Kayla Tony Braxton and Kofi then gets his uh, this look on his face where he's concerned. What if this year I can't figure out a way to keep my feet off the ground and they put his chin up 
He says, wait a minute, I've got an idea. But they won't tell Kayla what the idea is. And the, these three made this entertaining. But Maybe the, the idea should be to not even get eliminated at all. To not have to resort to... Tricks. Having to save yourself? Yeah. Some uh, impressive feat no. of athleticism? Yeah. But but um, uh, in, in honesty, I, I do like the fact that they put attention to what Kofi will be doing at the Rumble. Because it certainly is an attraction. And not one that always gets any type of attention prior to a Rumble. To me, it's like as big of a build uh, to for that match as, you know, seeing who's going to uh, make a surprise appearance. I want to know what Kofi has in store, and they tease something here, so that I look forward to that. You know, I've always thought that Kofi's going to keep doing this every year, and he's going to do it one year too many, where he has something that is just too ambitious, and he just doesn't have the the same athletic skill as he once did. But I watch this guy year after year. This guy does not look like he is aged a day, yeah. and it would not surprise me if he's doing these five years from now. Yeah, no, this guy seems like he's a, he has plenty of mileage left. He still very much looks like he's he's in his prime, actually. To me, he looks no different than when he first started. How old do you think Kofi Kingston is? What is your guess? I'm guessing 35, 36. I, I'd guess 35, 36. He's 37. Okay. 37. He'll be 38 in the summer. That's very young, very chipper. Then we went to Rey Mysterio Andrade. In a two out of three falls match involving the man who had two out of three of his names removed. <laughs> we started off with Ray hitting this Rana on the floor, went through a commercial immediately. Uh, the hammerlock DDT was countered into a code red by Ray for a two count, and then Ray got yanked off the buckle. He's holding his knee, but then he recovers and goes for a top rope Hurricane Rana, which is blocked. As Andrade holds on to him, stands up onto the top rope and power bombs him off the top for the first fall in seven and a half minutes. That was spectacular. Whew. I ended up gasping many times in this match, and this was uh, this might have been actually the biggest one. The second fall was very quick. It only went about two minutes. There was a slingshot power bomb as Ray bounced off the top rope into another sit out for a two count, but then Ray gets thrown up into the air, comes down with a Canadian destroyer evening the falls at uh, 9.42 of the match duration. So it's 1-1, and I'm looking at the clock. They have set aside a lot of time for this final fall. They got a, they got the whole last half hour of the mm-hmm. show for, this, uh, for the three falls. Ray goes for his slide down to the floor, but he gets caught. But then he just runs Andrade's back into the barricade. Then he goes for it again into a sunset bomb that sends Andrade flying into the barricade and then Ray goes for for a much deserved uh, drink of water. Yeah, yeah, it looked really cool. I'm not sure if like they were going for it the first time or something, but um, when they did uh, finally hit that interesting like sunset flip power bomb, uh, I was really impressed. I continue to be impressed by like Ray's uh, ability to to try new things even this far into his career. It still very much feels like he's he's a fresh wrestler, not just relying on old tricks. Well, he's a fresh wrestler because he was properly hydrated. Yeah. Thanks. Then the man hit a West Coast pop, which got a way bigger reaction than my joke. Andrade kicked out of that. 
Then Andrade catches him with the Minoru Suzuki armbar, and he does the little shuffle like Eddie Guerrero. And then there's a sunset flip bomb to the floor by Ray, but Andrade lands on his feet, takes Ray, drives him into the post, into the ring, hammerlock DDT, Ray gets his foot onto the bottom rope, and then Andrade isolates the arm, he applies a Fujiwara armbar, and Ray applies a Greco-Roman knuckle lock, scales to the top rope, and he jumped off for a roll-up, but this was the only kind of screw-up in the match. I thought that was pretty noticeable. Mm-hmm. And then hits this reverse Rana to Andrade for another near fall. Hits the 619. He's setting up for the springboard when Samoa Joe shows up attacking Ray and Andrade. And the match is thrown out after 22 minutes and 14 seconds. Joe applying the Coquina Clutch to Ray. Uh, before we discuss uh, Joe's involvement at the end... Um, your thoughts on the match? I really liked the match. It was incredibly entertaining throughout. Again, very impressed with Ray's ability ability to show us new tricks this late into his career. If they had given us a finish, I'm sure this would have been a contender for uh, one of the best matches uh, on, on SmackDown this year, at least. So, uh, But unfortunately, we didn't. I feel like it'll largely be forgotten about. Um, I think, in hindsight... You probably I, th- I thought it was I thought it was still a really good match. I didn't even I wasn't that bothered by the finish or lack thereof. I don't know if it was their best of the three that they've had recently. There's some, you know, the, that being the the tag match two weeks ago and then last week's singles match. But I really enjoyed this a lot. These two have been excellent together thus far. Um, it, this just suggests to me that they will continue this feud. I hope they do because, uh, like we talked about last week, I don't necessarily see. Too many other opponents from from either man here who could get matches as good from each other as these two. So uh, Ray certainly has a whole whole lot of options. Actually, at this point, Andrade has a whole lot of options too. But I want to see these two wrestle a bit longer. So Samoa Joe gets on the microphone. He says he came here to make a statement. And this is what he will do to the other 29 men in the Rumble. Which I think he meant 27, right? Um... Because he just laid out two of the the other 29. Okay. Yeah. So as the camera is in tight on Joe, all of a sudden he gets nailed with an RKO out of nowhere. And Randy Orton's music plays to end the show. Really great ending. Like surprise RKO to close a show. I, I reminded you that Randy Orton's still around. We hadn't seen him in like weeks. I feel. Yeah, I thought he was just going to show up uh, as one of the entrants on Sunday. I like the way they did this. He didn't need to be on TV this time. And all you needed was this one segment, and he's one of the players in the Rumble. He, I mean, I thought it was... I don't think he'll be winning the Rumble. So I feel like it's probably more effective for him to just come in like this. Uh, I don't look too deep into it, whether or not it's a heel or babyface move. I, I don't think it matters at all. It's, it's the Rumble. Everybody's for themselves. Uh, and that's the feeling you kind of got at the end of this. I thought a really good uh, episode of SmackDown. I thought this was a, yeah. a very strong show. I did too. Rumble. I did too. I really enjoyed it uh, between the matches to, I think, the in-ring segments all pretty much well uh, connected really well. Uh, the programs themselves, I feel like, were pretty decently built to. I, I, I enjoyed the show. It was entertaining. All right. So... Once again, this Thursday, we'll have uh, the Cafe Hangout live at 3, and that will be our full preview of the Royal Rumble. We'll go through all the matches. Uh, We'll also go through TakeOver, I think, on Thursday as well. Uh, Five matches there for Saturday Night Show. 
But now we head on over to forum.postwrestling.com where you can always leave your feedback. Tonight's show, a scale of 1 to 10. I would go 8 on this show, way. Me too. Okay, we're both putting an 8. 7.87. So almost in line with the forum members. We start off the feedback with Brandon from Oshawa. Not going to go on a huge love fest this week for the show, but I thought it was really solid as usual. The standout to me was the Mustafa Ali promo. It was anything... It wasn't anything classic, but I really loved how they incorporated his past into it, shot it away from the arena, and used it to juice up your normal recap package. They recap so much on these shows, and something as small as this can really make those packages feel more fresh. It pretty, It's pretty widely thought that Rollins will take on Lesnar at WrestleMania. What do you guys see as the option for the WWE title, though? I wouldn't mind seeing Brian and Mysterio at WrestleMania. I would love to see that as the direction, but I don't feel that that is where... They are going to be slotted, but not mm. completely inconceivable. I think I think Mysterio is the, he feels like the top babyface on the show at the moment. I would say even above AJ. Uh, I mean, after tonight's segment, yeah, sure. I feel like Mr. Ray would would have a more compelling argument for his uh mansion, but um, I don't know if that would happen because it seems to me like Ray, uh, as great as he's been doing. I feel like they kind of would rather position somebody up and coming for a prime spot like that, a world championship match at WrestleMania, whereas I see Ray's role in the company right now more so as somebody who is there to just kind of add value to your up-and-coming stars. Now, who are those other choices? I guess not too many on the babyface side. You're also assuming that, you know, Brian is going to keep the belt. And there are a lot of months and a lot of shows and probably a lot of title changes that will have to take place before he gets to WrestleMania. So it's, you know, your top guys are, are always going to see, be AJ, uh, Brian, um, Joe. That is a maybe. I, I actually don't see him as champ by then. It's yeah. all, it's almost um you know I expect Jeff Hardy to probably be in the Rumble on Sunday. I mean he wasn't uh he hasn't been on TV for a few weeks, but I would assume he's going to be in the Rumble. Like those are kind of your names on SmackDown, I guess. I'd certainly see Ray going late in the Rumble. Um but yeah, I guess those are the the babyface options that you have. Mm. Okay, we got Andrew from Cape Breton who says one of the best SmackDowns in a while. Daniel Bryan's promos just keep getting better. I would love it if he started refer- referring to himself as the WWF champion. Oh, okay. WWF. He's certainly a friend of the world's wildlife and an enemy of baby boomers everywhere. How is this man the heel? I don't know if the planet would tell Brian to shut up, but I'm pretty sure the planet will tell AJ that it's round. Great matches tonight. I love the style of Mustafa Ali's promo. Pretty much everything was good. The only nitpick is poor Naomi. She can't beat Mandy in, Mandy in the ring or in her hotel room. 9 out of 10 show. Gerard. Hey guys, hope you enjoyed the weather in Toronto today as much as I did. Minus 3 never felt so good. This is the first episode of Raw or SmackDown I've watched in weeks and only did so because of the hype from last week's Mysterio and Andrade match. The match was great and different than last week's, but I have I have got to deduct points for the finish. It's the usual kind of schmoz you see on the go-home show before a major pay-per-view. At least things are left open for another match between them. My only other criticism of the show is that Ali versus Joe was too short. It was good for what it was, but they've definitely got a better match in them, and I hope this feud continues. Ali cut a great promo. I don't know what it is, but apart from Wrestle Kingdom, which is always an amazing show, this January has had some great wrestling from a number of companies in both North America and Japan, and I have to give some credit to WWE for adding to this as well. One other point I wanted to make was 
you know, it was several days in advance that they announced all these matches for SmackDown and the face-to-face segment. And usually whenever they announce so much, something ends up inevitably being cut. But they had this, like, it seems like they had this whole show booked uh, multiple days in advance that this wasn't uh, a case of just throwing stuff together. So I think that kind of gives a, a glimpse into the planning process at the moment for SmackDown that they had all of these, not only these matches announced, but there were stories for all of them as well. Mm-hmm. I, I wonder if most weeks, like they kind of know what they're going to do, but there just simply aren't big enough matches that you feel the need to announce beforehand. Whereas this week, I guess they had plenty of matches that kind of culminated after several stories. Yeah. I mean, sometimes you'll get matches announced and it's just, it's a, it's a match for the sake of a match. It doesn't have any lead up to it. And that was not the case tonight. Like they had all of these stories that had been leading into these announcements of matches. Johnny has a quick question for you, John. Do you know how well ticket sales are like for both NXT and Rumble right now? Uh, I know that the Rumble, it's not hard to to get tickets at all. I think tickets are pretty cheap, actually, on the secondary market. And I don't know, to be honest, about uh, TakeOver yet. Obviously, much smaller uh, venue they're running with the the Talking Stick Resort Arena, which is where Raw and SmackDown will be, that they're running. Um, okay. Let me take the next one here. Mark from Vaughn. I continue to be blown away by Mysterio's re- renaissance over the last few years. I grew up watching his great matches against Malenko and other WCW cruisers, and it's insane to think he's just as good 23 years later. A true legend. Question. With all the talks of contracts these days, what do you think are the odds of an established guy's deal running out in time to show up at double or nothing? I'm thinking mid-card, along the lines of Cesaro, Chad Gable, Andrade, etc. WWE must be trying to lock everyone down before then. Yeah, I think that the company does not want that to be happening. I don't think they want any of their perceived stars or anyone uh, showing up and this perception of people going to a a different company and and providing that that narrative. So I feel that the company is going to be doubling down and trying to convince as many people as possible to stay with the company. And if they want to be released, not releasing them. So, um, but Hey, if, if a talent has his contract due and he doesn't want to stay, uh, there's not much you can do about that. If they're adamant about not staying, but I think the WWE is going to make as competitive an offer as possible that they're going to take the decision away from them. Mm -hmm. Next up we have, uh, Roger from Cincinnati. Normally, I'm a wait to hear from John and Way how the show was type of person. Well, we love those types of people. But all the matchups advertised this week on SmackDown had me enticed enough to check out the show live. Andrade Ray was an instant classic, and I hope these two get a big pay-per-view match in the future. I was thoroughly entertained by the Brian and AJ segment, and in particular, Brian's promo abilities. But the standout for me on this show was by far the Mustafa Ali promo video. I really love the gritty look of it, and Ali continues to show that he is a star and deserving of being on SmackDown. The subsequent match with Joe was great as well. WWE should definitely do wrestling on TV more often. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> WWE should definitely do wrestling on TV more often. <laughs> they should get around to that. It's good. Oh, great line to end the feedback with. All right. That is going to wrap up Rewind to SmackDown. But once again, if you cannot get enough of us, and to be quite honest, who out there could? We've got the double shot. It is available now. If you are a member of the Post Wrestling Cafe, you can go download it now. Even comes with its own RSS feed that well, makes it so easy. We say now, but it's actually, what, 5 a.m.? 
I, I don't know what our listenership is like at four in the morning. Um, oh, some people are out there, especially in the UK. Well, it's the vast majority of you. It's there now. You can For listen those, to it. Pro- if not, if it's not there right away in an hour or two. Yeah. All right. So that's going to wrap it up. Any closing remarks? Way? Listen to the double shot. It'll be a big one. Very exciting today. All right. That is it. Uh, we hope you all are warm. Have had uh, a wonderful recent haircut experience. And we'll chat with you later this week. I'm done.